Welcome to episode 27 of the Local Meta. My name is Fletcher. And I'm John. John, what's up? Have you ever seen the art for Thing from the Deep? Um, <laughs> I soon will. <laughs> I feel like I should know what this is. I, rec- I actually recognize it because this art is like... Oh yeah, oh that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, like, okay, so, shout out to Panglacial Worm, because, dear god, that card, but I was doing a image search of Panglacial Worm, and that was one of, like, the recommended photos underneath it, which so is Milliken for some weird reason. Probably because, probably because they want you to use a Milliken to cast your Panglacial Worm, so, <laughs> that, so that the rules of magic implode on themselves and die. <laughs> Interesting. You really think Panglacial Worm is way funnier than it should be, right? <laughs> it's hilarious. If anyone ever wants a good time, if you have, like, I probably, if you have an above average knowledge of the rules, you know, more than just, like, you can play kitchen table magic, like, you like you understand a lot of, like, the timings and stuff. You, got, you should take the look at the rulings page for panglacial worm on gatherer because holy hell i was literally just laughing crazily for like a good three minutes over the absurdity of this card i mean anything that lets you cast a spell in the middle of the resolution of a spell that isn't like actually casting the spell it's like i cast ram for growth and and another spell like in the middle of me searching my library (laughs) it's so it's so glorious Ugh, that card's messed also, up. Also, for anyone who, uh, anyone who's paying attention, this whole talk about Panglacial Worm is kind of a spoiler for something we're going to be talking about. Oh, really? Oh, what are we spoiling? Our topic for the day. It's a very it's it's technically a part of our topic for the day because Panglacial Worm and a certain other card they got they both oh. are a little whack. Okay, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna let you get get into it, but so we're gonna do we're gonna start a series today, um, that I have affectionately titled Meta Deck Breakdown. So basically, we were we were kind of thinking, um, some of these decks in Eternal formats are really confusing, and if you're not already in the know, it can be really tough to figure out what's going on and or you know under understand what's happening until you really kind of get used to stuff so we're going to kind of go through and break down some of these decks and explain what they do how they work how to beat them just sort of things like that so we we figured we'd start out start with the good stuff right out of the gate right john i suppose i should stop looking at pictures of worm magic cards but yes (laughs) god damn (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're going to start with my one of my favorite items in all of Magic, which is the combo decks. We're going to start out by talking about modern combo decks, which yeah. there's some there's some tasty stuff in here, and as John spoiled with Panglacial Worm, there there's another card that we're going to be talking about that just kind of ignores how Magic works. <laughs> this card is going to need some explaining, to say okay. the least. But we will get to that. Yes. So John. <laughs> Modern combo decks. Where do we want to start? 
Let's start with the brute forced method. Okay. <laughs> so also, what's the fir right, first also, deck? Also known as Ad or sorry, Scape Shift. <laughs> Alright. So <laughs> let's um uh, let's start off here. So what is Scape Shift and what does it do? Alright. So um Scapeshift as a deck has actually evolved a lot from the original iterations of the deck. There a lot, like Scapeshift used to basically be a co uh, control deck with a combo finish, and it has morphed over the, sorry, the past few years with like the way that the meta has changed, where like it's kind of came to the realization that you know instead of trying to like stall the game and stuff to eventually cast the its namesake card scapeshift and win, it's better to just brute force your way and try and win as fast as possible with the scapeshift and its key card. And in my opinion actually the fact that the deck's called scapeshift is kind of is like weird because it, it doesn't actually win quotations with scapeshift. It wins with Balakut. But scapeshift is like the one card combo. Yes. Okay. But so and there's yeah. a couple variants we'll probably hit yeah, with here. But they all kind of work the same way, don't they? Yeah. All these. So there's there's scapeshift. There's titan shift. There's breach titan. Like they're all effectively the same deck. They all have the same basic game plan of they want to get a valakut in play with six mountains and burn your opponent's face off. And it goes about that in different ways, you know, like the actual deck scape shift, what you do is you would ramp yourself up to seven, you'd cast scape shift, you'd sack all of your lands, get a Valakut, get six mountains, you'd nug your opponent in the face for 18, which in modern basically amounted to you winning because, you know, fetch shock mana base. Yeah. Uh, Titan Shift is, it's also a ramp deck, but it's, instead of necessarily focusing on just getting up a Scape Shift, it also, it will also just try and ramp out a Primeval Titan, which, you know, 6-6 six, six Trampler plus able to search your library on ETB and on attack for two lands means that it's a pretty fast clock. And Breach Titan uses the card through the Breach to basically do the same thing, except you need one less mana. You're a lot more all-in. You play cards like um, ah, da, 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 Simeon Spirit Guide to cast um, Breach or through the Breach as quickly as possible. You get out your Titan and just smack your opponent in the face for a lot of damage. So on that basis, the the most important card in all of Scape Shift is Valakut. Like. It can win without Valakut, but it's basically stuck trying to do nothing but primetime beatdowns. <laughs> and as sad as it is, a 6-6 six, six trample for 6 mana, not necessarily going to get the job done by itself in Modern. That just tells you something about Modern. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you gotta... Like, if you look back to a deck that's no longer really played much, which probably should be in the honorable mentions for this... Um, Summer Bloom, or mm -hmm. Amulet Bloom, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, Amulet that, Bloom. That deck, it did like, you know, a turn two or three Primeval Titan, and it made it into a double striking trampling monstrosity to actually make it good enough. Yeah. <laughs> As you do. I mean... Yeah, so... Okay. Almost, almost any... 
um, Titan shift to deck you're going to encounter nowadays. Like they're going to be running the playset of Primeval Titans. They're going to be running. They have to run the playset of Valakids, really. And they've basically they used to they used to be teamer based, but they've completely cut the blue and they're almost exclusively red green, which is actually very good for them because actually has increased their. Um, uh, consistency because the issue with playing a three color deck is you can only play so many lands that tap for red because you need to be able to cast your other spells mm-hmm. and it it's not as finicky with your fetching and stuff so at this point like over half their mana base is mountains so it makes it a lot easier for them to just kind of like build up to that point and kill you and they're no longer quite as all in as well i really really hope i have seven mountains left in my deck yeah, because, I mean, back with the old deck, it was not unheard of for somebody to escape shift and not have enough mountains left in their deck to kill you. Yeah, it was uh, it was very common to your opponent cast escape shift, and they look at you, and you're just like, okay, do it. Yep. Okay, so you you went through kind of how the decks work, basically. You know, you're, you're, you're getting a Valkut out and then playing a bunch of mountains and killing your opponent. Yep. So how, how do we beat this? Uh, so, the, I suppose, a very, very simple way to beat Valakut is, um, Bloodboon. Because mm-hmm. if their Valakut no longer is card-type Valakut with text that of Valakut to the Molten Pinnacle, it doesn't matter if all their lands are mountains, because there's no Lightning Bolt effect from Valakut. I suppose, I never did specify that. Uh, the way, what the actual card Valakut is, is Valakut the Molten Pinnacle. <laughs> and it says, whenever a mountain enters the battlefield, if you control five other mountains, Valakut the Molten Pinnacle deals three damage to our creature or player. So, yeah, what your goal is to do is to have Valakut plus your six mountain, and every mountain beyond that will be a lightning bolt. If all of the mountains enter the battlefield at the same time, they all trigger because they all look to see if there are that, or you know, six or more mountains. And that's the quirky rules interaction there with particularly with Scape Shift, which just in case people didn't know, Scape Shift is a sorcery that's two green green. Uh, you can sacrifice any number of land search library for that many land cards, then put them into play tapped, and then shuffle your library. Um, so basically, you would just go, f- just blow up all your lands and, or not not your Valakuts, but blow up all your other lands and fetch the mountains you need. Yep. That's basically how the deck would win, as it were. So, they yeah, probably good to actually explain the cards we're talking about since yeah. we're explaining the decks that they're in. Probably. Um, yeah, so, like, there, you know, there's multiple different ways of, like, attacking the deck, as it were. Like, one of the easiest... Like, one of the ways for, like, the old version of Scape Shift is just don't let them actually cast Scape Shift. That was usually my plan when I was playing Blue Moon. Yeah, like, if... Because, you know, if they're if they're able to cast it and it resolves, they're going to win unless they've seriously screwed up or you have outs, will, which will be the last thing that we go over. Um, another thing is just, like, you know, any other deck that's kind of resolve, revolving around a creature, even, like, they still get the edge of the battlefield trigger from Primeval Titan. You can still kill it, which keeps them from being able to attack you with it and getting more mountains as a result. So you can kind of slow them down in that regard. Scapeshift is one of those decks where you really need to have a fast clock to actually disrupt them. Because if you're not putting on pressure on them, they 
it doesn't really matter what you're doing. They will eventually just beat you because, you know, all they have to do is just keep hitting their land drops. Like, it doesn't matter, you know, to them. Like, if you don't, if you have no way of putting pressure on them to make, force them to end the game quickly, they'll just, you know, they can play Valakut on turn one and, you know, on turn seven they lightning bolt you. On turn eight they lightning bolt you. Except they're playing a bunch of ramp spells, so it's not, they're going to start lightning bolting you a lot faster than that. Mm -hmm. So, like, it is very important to actually have pressure if there, if you don't have something like Blood Moon to actually keep Valakid from doing something. Um, and then the probably most complicated way, this doesn't beat Scapeshift, <laughs> but it slows them down for a turn, which ideally would be all you need to get the job done. <laughs> we we gone get rulesy here. So this one is a little complicated, and it refers to something called the intervening if clause in magic. And that's to say that whenever an ability basically if the ability says if this is true. So basically, yeah, it's ability that's formatted. When condition if you know it, or yeah whenever if condition then you do something that's the intervening if basically <laughs> that is the most like it sounds completely nonsensical it does and but the way cards are formatted if you if you read valakut the molten pinnacle you'll see there's a a, a comma if that's what we're talking about right there yeah that exact like, formatting Anyone who doesn't know this, ask someone who is a little more advanced in magic in person, and they'll be able to explain it to you easier in person. But so what happens when all those mountains enter the battlefield, right? So just we're just going to go with like the generic. They cast Scapeshift, all their mountains enter the battlefield. Mm -hmm. They got one Valakut, they got six mountains. All right, cool. But you, Valakut sees six mountains enter the battlefield. You have six triggers from Valakut. Targets for those triggers are chosen. All those triggers are now on the stack. If something happens to those mountains to where one of them is no longer in play, such as you happen to have a um, Fulminator Mage in play and your opponent doesn't realize it, or something that is highly unlikely, but really, really entertaining. You have an Aether Vial on three and a flis Flicker Wisp in your hand. Okay, we're, we're not getting here, man. <laughs> we're not going to completely get into it, but like it's like the still, still the same basic concept. Oh yeah, like, you make a mountain go away. Yeah, like if you know like something like a Tectonic Edge, right? Yep. So what you do is you remove one of those mountains. And what happens on the resolution of every one of those abilities is it will, you know, recheck on resolution. All right, are there still five more mountains in play? So this gets really, really weird in the way that the mountain that you got rid of will still look and see, is there still five other mountains in play? It will see, yes, there was, and Valakut will still trigger once. But all five of those other mountains will actually look and be like, nope, there's only four other mountains in play. I guess we don't get to lightning bolts. So instead of taking 18, you took three. 
yes. <laughs> and it gets, as I said, it's a little complicated about why that works, but it it's totally does. Very complicated about why that works, but yeah. And something that I see a lot of people try and do, but it doesn't work, is they'll try and like they will try and like fulminate or mage away the Valakut itself, or they'll they'll try and like you know, they'll they'll but they'll try and do something to get rid of the Valakuts. Mm-hmm. That doesn't stop it because all of the, the ability, triggers are on the stack. Yeah, yeah, all the triggers are still on the stack. It doesn't matter if Valakut is in play anymore because all the all those mountains care about at that point is are there more mountains in play. Mm-hmm. Valakut does not need to stay in play for its ability to still resolve. So you. Once they kind of get to that point, like early on, if you can, you know, get rid of their Valakuts, it's good for you. But once they get to the point where all their triggering, like all their things are triggering, killing a Valakut does not matter. Mm-hmm. You need to know to redirect your focus on something else. Yeah, so that's that's the whole punchline. Intervening if clauses check the condition on both the triggering and resolution of the effect. Yes. Which is very complicated as stated, but something that you kind of need to pay attention to for um, more competitive styles of magic. Because it is something that does come up quite frequently, actually. So mm-hmm. so just keep those things in mind. I think that's, All right. that's basically the Valakut decks in a nutshell, I think. That's yeah, pretty nutshell. So. Alright, so... We'll get we'll get to something simpler, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's uh, the opposite. Yeah, this is okay. As, so, scape shift is the sledgehammer strategy. Ad nauseum is the I don't even know. Like, okay, so gamma. Something <laughs> really weird, and your opponent has no idea what's going on. So, John. What is ad nauseum and what does it do? Uh, ad nauseum is a three color combo deck that uses the card ad nauseum to draw its entire deck, and then its win con is a card that does not obey the rules of magic. <laughs> uh, At all. Well, that's not true. As long as you only cast it and do nothing else, it technically obeys the rules of magic. Basically, Ad Nauseum draws this entire deck and uses a weird burn spell to kill you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, for those who are unaware, um, Ad Nauseum itself is a card. Uh, It is obviously the namesake of the deck, and Ad Nauseum is a 5-mana instant, 3-colorless, 2-black, legacy playable. I love the card. The card's great. Glorious. Won many games because of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You... So you cast it, and its resolution is you reveal cards from the top of your library, you take one point of damage for every single converted, or all every converted mana cost of each card you reveal. You can stop revealing at any point, but once you reveal a card, you have to take that damage. So mm-hmm. if you're at two life, and you reveal a second ad nauseum, you're, you're, dead. Uh, you're at negative three, you die. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about that. <clears throat> or is <Yeah>. there? <laughs> so the way the deck gets around that <laughs> is it uses a card called Phyrexian Unlife or Angel's Grace. So what are those cards? Uh, Phyrexian Unlife is a white enchantment with 
probably one of my favorite arts in all of Magic. It is unbelievably creepy, and it's so anti-white. Like, nothing about the art makes you think of a white card, but it is a white card. And what it says is, you don't lose the game for having, like, zero or less life. If damage would reduce your life total to or if damage would be dealt to you after your life total is below zero, you instead take poison counters. So it kind of just like stalls for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, Angel's Grace is says it's a one mana instance. You can't lose the game. Period. This turn. Yeah, split seconds. Sorry. Split seconds, so it can't be responded to by anyone in any way. And you cannot lose the game this term. If damage would reduce your life total to less than a 1, it reduces it to 1 instead. So, what these cards have in common is they specify damage. And ad nauseum is loss of life. While damage causes loss of life, loss of life does not cause damage reasons because <laughs> reasons yes <laughs> <laughs> so what happens is with either of these cards like with angel's grace active after you cast it or with phyrexian on life in play you get to effectively draw your entire deck with ad nauseum your life total goes to like negative i think it's like 80 something doesn't matter. <laughs> you can't die because Frexian Unlife says, "Oh, it doesn't matter. You can't lose the game when your life total's that low. You just and you can't take poison counters because you're not being dealt damage." Mm -hmm. Angel's Grace says, "Well, your life total's less than less than one, but you can't lose the game because I said so. I hope you can make the most out of it." And boy, howdy, do you make the most out of it? So what do what do we do at negative eighty life? So negative eighty life with you, our entire deck. You decide to exile three simian spirit guides out of your hand. <laughs> because in case you're wondering, the most broken mechanic in all of magic is mana. Yes. When you take mana, bend it over backwards and do with it whatever you want, that's how you make a broken combo deck, which you'll notice a trend on every deck we're talking about today. They cheat on mana in some way. Yes. So, <laughs> Adazium exiles three Simeon Spirit Guides, and then casts a card called Lightning Storm. <laughs> Lightning Storm is basically the red-headed stepchild that is related to Panglacial Worm, who's its cousin. Alright, so... I'm just going to read Lightning Storm, and I'm sure it will actually like sound like, why does this sound weird to some degree? But it does. Alright, so Lightning Storm. One red red instant. Lightning Storm deals X damage to target creature or player, where X is 3 plus the number of charge counters on it. But wait, it is an instant with an activated ability. <laughs> Discard a land card, colon. Put two charge counters on Lightning Storm. You may choose a new target for it. Any player may play this ability, but only if Lightning Storm is on the stack. So, probably, <laughs> for a more casual listener, they probably look at that card and like, oh, that's cool. Someone who's more ingrained in how the rules of magic work, you look at that and say, that does not function in the rules of magic. 
<laughs> yes, it does, because wave hand. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're literally putting counters on something that is not in play or in any zone outside of the stack, which is uh. literally non-interactable, like, in magic. For, like, <laughs> really, right? I mean, like, pretty much. So this like f this little floaty non-existence existential thing in front of your face, you're like putting little glass, you know, aquarium beats on top of it, and they're staying there <laughs> because reasons. Uh, yes. <laughs> so obviously, after you draw your entire deck, you cast a lightning storm. You haven't. You ideally have enough lands left in your deck to nug your opponent for whatever their life total happens to be. Yep. You That's... just discard you discard your lands and and blow them away. Yep. Good times. Good times. <laughs> good, good times. So I love this deck. <laughs> so I'm not gonna I, I don't lie. Love playing it, I just love like watching it go because it's just so ridiculous. But this, this is the kind of deck that I would love to play, but I don't because there's a certain stigma attached to people who play ad nauseum. <laughs> Yes, there kind and, of is. Like you're kind of that guy if you play. I this am deck. absolute like, <laughs> yeah. Like I'm totally someone who would totally be that guy because I love wonky combo decks, and there's some real crazy stuff with that nauseum. Oh man, this is just the wombo-est comboist. <laughs> my biggest issue with it is that the lines are very linear. There are no like outside the box thinking. Yeah, it's basically like you have to do what the deck does, and that's it. Yeah, and like I don't like decks that don't have play to it, but this is totally a deck that I would sleeve up if I owned all the cards to actually play it. Yeah. Because reasons. Okay, so how do we beat this deck? Alright, so I'm just going to point out the in most... Well, I'll, I'll start out with a simple one. This deck yes. has an insanely high fail rate. Like... This deck will die to itself because it literally didn't draw, like, the, the, what it needed to. Mm -hmm. And if you have any sort of clock, they'll just die. Like, turn two Tarmogoyf killing them on turn, like, seven. They're dead. Like, the deck has an insanely high fail rate. Yeah. My personal favorite way of winning, and probably the most insane thing, Pitting Needle on Lightning Storm. <laughs> what? Because you can do that. Because that discarding land is an activated ability. Uh, does Pithing Needle specify choosing a card too? Yes. So you can actually choose as, it. Yeah, as Pithing uh, Needle enters the battlefield, choose a card name. Name a card. Yep. Of okay. Sources with a chosen name can't be activated unless they're mana abilities. Oh my god. So you can turn one Pithing Needle and all of their Lightning Storms suddenly will only deal two damage to you. It's not a hard block. Um, the decks actually do play with an alternate win con now, where due to the fact that they drew their entire deck, they will instead cast a Laboratory Maniac <laughs> because they have no cards left in their deck and because they cast a trip. Uh, okay. I... I... I approve of this message. <laughs> yeah, pithing needle on lightning storm is just uh, my I the insanity of that statement is great. I love it. Uh, um, it's also possible that if their win con is ex or if they're relying on a Phyrexian Unlife to not die, um, the deck plays like three main deck pact negations, yep. so they're usually able to protect themselves. But if you happen to be playing green black and you can abrupt decay their Phyrexian Unlife. 
uh, they will suddenly lose the game for having negative 80 life. And there's no way they can counter it. If they have access to a white mana, they can cast Angel's Grace. It's not a hard lock, but sometimes you just need to get a little lucky. Right. Like, you know, their only win con happens to be Phyrexian on life. Yeah. All right. Now you have to tell the, say, my favorite <laughs> way of beating the death. All right. Um, <laughs> I have never done this myself, but I have seen it happen. Uh, I came close one time actually doing it. I actually did. I actually did it to somebody, and they're like, they're like, no one has actually ever tried that for b before. Yeah. And then they killed me. But yeah. So if you read Lightning Storm or listen to Fletcher explain it, you'll notice the part where it says any player can discard a land to add charge counters and redirect to a different target. <laughs> Which means that you yourself can hope your opponents are bad. They ditch their entire, like, all their lands to try and nug you for, like, 30-something, and then you just sandbag, like, an island discard and, like, redirect it to you, and then they just kind of shrug their shoulders. <laughs> Which, oh, man. fun fact, if they're playing with Frexy, if their win con is Frexian on life, they still die because they, That's take, damage. they take like 30 some odd poison. You only need 10 to kill you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, uh. Such, such glory. Such I've, I've, I've attempted to do that to at least one person, and yeah, they, they were like. They're like, no one has actually ever done this before. And then they discarded a land and killed me. Yeah. But <laughs> if I have anyone I get played up, paired up against playing ad nauseum, I will hold like one or two lands in my hands. Oh yeah, me too, if I can. So yeah. I actually want to say something about ad nauseum too. So ad, like combo decks in general, like they're... These are one of the decks that we I or types of decks that I think you make people play out for the most part. Yes. Ad nauseum in particular is one of those decks. Because I feel like this deck has a high as you said, it has a high fail rate and stuff, and even if they're going off, there's so many just little tiny things people can do and so many shortcuts that they do to do it. Yeah, like you can punish someone for making a mistake. And this yep. is you absolutely should if you're playing against a, a combo deck in my opinion. Like there's mm -hmm. a difference between, like, you know, making them literally deal every single point of damage to you if they're doing, like, an infinite damage combo, mm -hmm. and, you know, making them actually cast their Lightning Storm. Yeah. Like, they make them cast their Lightning Storm, make them discard lands, and if you got that one, like, you know, discard I, the one land and just see if you get them. Like, sometimes your some, only out is your opponent screwing up. I mean, that's, that's magic, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But, so, ad, ad uh, yeah, but it's that's a party. Pen so, worm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Random shout out to Panglacial Worm being a nine dollar foil. I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna keep throwing out random Panglacial Worm facts throughout this <laughs> you, episode. You really like that card, don't you? I the card is horrifying, but it's. <laughs> You just like it because it's like a car crash. All right. Yes. So, <laughs> what, do, what do we got next on the docket here? All right. This is my personal favorite combo in all of Magic. 
For anyone who's listened to me talk about Legacy, you probably know what's coming next. <laughs> I am a big fan of Storm decks. So, John, <laughs> what is Storm and what does it do? Alright, so, for anyone who doesn't pay attention to Mark Rosewater, you should. The man <laughs> yes, is... I don't know if he's actually a genius, like, but he's basically a genius. He's a very good game designer. Yes. He has something in Magic called the Storm Scale. <laughs> the, on the Storm Scale is every single ability and mechanic they have ever put in Magic. And the Storm Scale is not ranking the power of the mechanic. It's not ranking, you know, how often they print the mechanic. How often, you know, like, people's appreciation for the mechanic. No, no. The Storm Scale solely exists to be like, alright, anything ranked 10, or even around 10, if we print this, we might get fired. <laughs> pretty, pretty close. The Storm Scale basically ranks the likelihood of a, of a mechanic returning to a standard legal set. Yes. And just for reference, it's named the Storm Scale because one is basically like flying. It will show up in like every standard legal set. Ten is a is a mechanic that never ever ever will come back because reasons. And Storm is a ten, and that's why it ended up on the scale, <laughs> or why it's called the yeah. Storm Scale. Storm was the first ten. Storm only shares the ten slot with a single other mechanic in Magic. You don't fun, like that mechanic, though, right? Fun fact, it's another mechanic that I really, really love, Dredge. <laughs> so, Storm and Dredge, they're basically bros, right? Too bad you can't really put them in the same deck because they don't function very well. Although, yeah, they don't, they don't work together. I'm not going to lie, I have considered Dredge to feed um, Passive Flames before. but You're bad, okay. Probably a little greedy. In my justification, <laughs> the old school... Storm deck, that one with Pyromancer's Ascension, would play uh, Thought Scour to mill yourself to put cards in your graveyard. So, and then to draw a card. So if, say, you're, like, splashing some sort of dredge card, like, say you're, like, randomly playing black and you want to have sideboard Dark Blast, you know, filling your graveyard to feed your Pyromancer's Ascensions is kind of good if you want to have that nice little removal spell. I didn't think it was worth the actual playing a third color of magic, but it was still something worth considering. Go to hell, Fletcher. <laughs> why, do, why do I get to go to hell? <laughs> because I can feel you judging me already. <laughs> oh, I'm judging you harshly. So, we've talked a lot about Storm. What does it do since I asked that? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. The goal of Storm is to win with the Storm mecha mechanic. And what does the storm mechanic do? The storm mechanic says, copy this spell for every spell that was cast before it this turn, both yours and your opponent's. So what you do is you try and have a lot of spells get cast in the same turn, and then have a single card that basically wins the game on its own, if you have it resolved for multiple copies of it. In Legacy, this would be at... Uh, Tendrils of Agony, in Modern, you instead win with Grape Shot or with Empty the Warrants. Grape Shot. Yeah. Love that card. So, just for... <laughs> it's just a great name. Yes. 
Okay. Flavorful. So for uh, for those that don't know, Grape Shot is a very very simple storm card. Uh, it is one in a red for a sorcery. Grape Shot deals one damage to target creature or player with storm. Yep. <laughs> simple, elegant, murders people. Brutally. Okay. So, um, what are the key cards for this deck? Every single card in the deck. <laughs> I wish I was joking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I know you're not. Storm, it's not quite to the level of dredge where every single card is needed to make this horrible engine run, but it's pretty <laughs> damn close. You play <laughs> Yeah, like there's not a single like flex slot quotations in the entire deck because everything is in the deck because you need to have that effect. Mm-hmm. Like, so well, I suppose we'll just go into how the deck works. So you play the unbanned red rituals because there are what <laughs> two banned red rituals in modern. Remember how he said that the problem with you know modern and or the problem with a lot of decks in in modern that and the stuff that gets banned in Magic is stuff that like accelerates your mana. Yeah, this is one of those reasons. Yeah. Storm is literally what got those two rituals banned. Yes. Because, Jesus Christ. Yes. <laughs> so, you use Desperate Ritual and Pyretic Ritual, along with the Medallion effects, which are... It's the way that you... So, there. There was an old cycle printed called... They're they're all medallions. There's Pearl Medallion, Ruby Medallion, Sapphire Medallion. And what they did is they reduced the casting cost of the color of spell associated with that medallion by one. Mm -hmm. So in Storm, your medallion effects are actually creatures. Baral, Chief of Compliance, which is a card that was recently printed, and holy hell. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they... (laughs) And Goblin Electromancer, which, gotta give a shout-out to my homeboy, the Isn't Goblin, being one of the most broken two-drop creatures. Yeah. Well, actually, he's not really that broken, but he's pretty Just broken. fine in one deck. <laughs> he's, he's very good in one deck, but boy, howdy. He, guess what he does? He lets you cheat on mana. Uh, yep. Both of these cards specifically say instants and sorcery spells you cast cost one colorless less to cast. So suddenly your Desperate Ritual and Pyretic Ritual, which cost one colorless a red to give you three red, are turned into single red gain three red. This sounds familiar to another spell in Magic that was really, really good. For anyone with any knowledge about the card Dark Ritual, you know, part of the cycle with Ancestral Recall. It was good. Yeah. (laughs) I'm honestly not sure if I consider Lightning Bolts to be or Black Dark Ritual to be the better card. It's probably Lightning Bolt. Oh, man, Dark Ritual just does stupid things, it's, though. Yeah, Dark Ritual is insane. It just has very little like, utility. If you think about early magic, like, nobody ever complained about Lightning Bolt, really. No. But, like, everybody played complained about um, uh, turn, turn 1 Hypnotic Spectre. Yeah. <laughs> and, um... Uh, Part of that reason that was so good was actually because Dark of Ritual. Dark Ritual. 
Like, like Hypnotic Spectre is not a, an insane card, but turn one Hypnotic Spectre is a really good play. <laughs> yeah, like, it's actually, it's a really interesting thing, because ha obviously the one blue draw three is, like, the best. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, card advantage is king. But it's, like, it's really interesting to f decide between Lightning Bolt and Dark Ritual, and then it's definitely uh, Gigantic Growth or... Giant, giant's growth. Giant, giant growth. And then coming in absolute dead last is healing self. What? Healing self isn't good? When did that happen? <laughs> oh, wait, when magic started, right? Yeah. All right, sorry, back on topic. Okay, So there's the stack. <laughs> Storm, you cheat on mana by casting one mana rituals with your creatures in play that make your rituals cost less and make a large amount of mana and you cast probably the most powerful ritual that no one thinks about when they think of rituals which is only a ritual if you have one of your creatures in play which is mana morphos oh man which i don't if anyone has has never cast a mana morphos when you have a goblin electromancer in play oh, just go Goldfish a Storm deck. It feels so good casting a Manamorphose. Give oh. it a try. It's a great feeling. Oh. I love that card. Manamorphose is one colorless and a green or red to add two mana of any color to your mana pool and draw a card. Mm, say that Say that line again. <laughs> <laughs> so when you have one of your medallion effects in play, it says one red mana, add two mana of any color to your mana pool, draw a card. <laughs> and then you use that mana to cast cantrips to find more rituals to cast more cantrips and then eventually you cast you either just literally nug your opponent for 20 because that's how many grape shots you found or you cast past in flames to recast all of the cards in your graveyard to uh, eventually find the grape shot Something that's actually changed a lot with this deck recently is the fact that it, um, Gitaxian Probe was banned. Yeah, and the, yeah. The deck used to use Gitaxian Probe and Pyromancer's Ascension, and it would, like, it would basically have to win through its graveyard. But since that was banned, and they, at, when they banned Gitaxian Probe, they gave us Brawl. So suddenly, now the deck actually uses Gifts Ungiven, so it's still very reliant on its graveyard, but you ca you basically, it's almost universal. You cast Gifts Ungiven, you get Pyretic Ritual, Desperate Ritual, Manamorphose, and Passive Flames. And then eventually, it's another Gifts Ungiven, getting all those same rituals, and a Grape Shot. And you just kill your opponent. <laughs> like, it's very common for this, gar this deck to go turn to... Uh, medallion creature, turn three, gifts ungiven, win on turn four. Jeez. Yeah. Storm is a party. <laughs> yes. I it's I kind of feel bad for my opponents whenever I play Storm because it's such a goldfish deck. Like, it really is. You like Basically, you just sit there and play with yourself. Yeah, for like, like... My, my goal is to ignore my opponents, and I feel bad that they don't get to do anything while I'm just sitting there like burning their face off. But I having just, a grand old time. I love like the lines of Storm. Like modern is not at any nowhere near as complicated as Legacy Storm is, but it's still something that you need to like think about, right? And I just I love <laughs> lines. I love finding them. But yeah, and it's, that's uh, this is like the classic too to some degree. Like I feel like Storm is just like the quintessential combo deck. 
Fun fact, if John Finkel is playing in a tournament that he does not consider to be highly important, like a Grand Prix or an, a PTQ, he'll play Storm. I mean, he can play whatever he wants, man. Like <laughs> I just love Storm. And the, the guy, he's not on the forefront of like modifying the decks much anymore, but he always has like his own builds of it, and they're glorious. <laughs> yeah, that's... Man, Storm is... I, I'll admit I don't play much Storm, because one, I don't own the cards, and two, I just... You know, don't. Uh-huh. It's a lot of math and stuff, but... The deck is just sweet. Like, I've goldfish. I, I'll, like, sit and goldfish it every once in a while and stuff on with, like, proxies or something like that. It's just a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, you've also seen me play Storm a crap ton, so... Yeah, I've, like, both Modern and Legacy, so... Okay. So, let's get on to the last deck we're going to talk about. Oh, sorry. Just a random... Oh. How to beat oh. Storm. How do we beat it? Yeah, I suppose. You uh, don't. Early just let... Just- Whoever's playing Storm, let him win because it's sweet. Snap concede. All right, that's how you beat it. <laughs> uh, early disruption in the clock, good, good ways of beating Storm. Otherwise, mm-hmm. there are certain cards that are like Rule of Law and Idol Under the Rhetoric and Aether Sworn Canonist. They both have the phrase, can only cast one spell on them. That seems bad if your deck is trying to cast a bunch of spells. Literally castrate Storm. <laughs> they cannot deal like they can maybe deal with Eidolon, except they probably not because it has four toughness and they usually use lightning bolt as their removal spell. They have no answer to rule of law. Like they, yeah, they, in their sideboard they will if they're intelligent, but a lot mm-hmm. of the time you just kind of die to it. And yeah, so discard spells plus a clock plus killing their medallion creatures or cards that literally say they can only cast one spell a turn. That is how you beat Storm. All right. You can also slow them down with stuff like Graveyard Hate, yada, 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 but, you know. All that good stuff, but... Yeah. All right. Cool. All right, now, let's get on to our last deck. All right. Yet again, we're going to talk about a deck that cheats on mana. Really? That seems like a theme here. Would have thought. Uh, this one is specifically the new iteration of company decks that have came out. Uh, they're calling it Counters Company for some weird reason. It's, it's boring. Yeah, it's 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 just a company-based combo deck. Um, random aside to elves in this category because elves has actually seen a minor resurgence and it wins basically along the same way of a massive mana advantage into attacking your opponents for like forty plus trample damage because <laughs> elves. Because <Plus>, elves. <laughs> yo. Uh, so yeah, just it uses a lot of like mana creatures and mana acceleration, and you usually just have like you have a quotations combo turn where you just either attack your opponent for a bajillion or you burn them out for a bajillion. And the reason why this has kind of become what it is is Vizier of Remedies is a card that's recently been printed. It is a two one for a colorless and a white creature. If a Negative one count. It specifies negative one, correct? Yep. If a negative one counter, if one or more negative one counters would be placed on a creature you control, instead put that many counters minus one. This can reduce it to zero. 
This is an infinite combo with a card called Devoted Druid, which is a 0-2 for a colorless and a green that taps for a green, and you can put a negative one counter on it to untap it. So, and infinite mana, here we are. Infinite mana, and then you cast a Walking Ballista, and then you... Yep. For a bajillion, and life is great. Uh, the way Elves does this instead, which is way more cool in my opinion, <laughs> is instead you make infinite mana, you cast a Court of Calling, get a Zuri Renegade Leader, <laughs> and proceed to give all of your Elves plus three plus three and trample an infinite number of times. I actually prefer Elves over regular company in this regard because it has that alternate game plan of being able to just win quotations naturally because you already you're playing stuff like Elvish Archdruid which can produce a ridiculous amount of mana on its own and you can just like play Elves just have that out of infinite comboing and mm -hmm. two devoted druids plus an Azuri can also go infinite As long as you have like a El or Elvish Archdruid in play to like allow them to survive beyond the first activation, because effectively they get plus three plus three, which negates all the negative the three negative one counters you have to put on them to create six mana. So you're actually so you going can, yeah. you're netting up one green mana every single time you give them overrun. So then any of your other creatures in play are able to attack for lethal. Huh. If you somehow lose that, if don't win that turn, your druids will die because they will have infinite negative one, negative one counters on them. But still, you know. Arbitrarily large number of negative counters. Yeah, arbitrarily large number of negative one counters. So beware fog. <laughs> Just get fogged out. <laughs> it would be glorious. Uh, okay. Yeah, um... The company deck does have, like, you know, the alternate strategy, though, that all company decks have played, where it plays stuff like Kitchen Finks, and it basically just gets value with Kitchen Finks because of the Vizier, because effectively you can never get rid of the Kitchen Finks, because the Persist will trigger, will come back, but it won't get the negative one counter, it'll just come back as a 3-2, so it's mm -hmm. effectively immortal, as it were. Um, this has actually changed a lot from the old form of the company deck, which was which would go infinite with stuff like Malyra, which is actually, it is not comboable with Devoted Druid because Malyra says it can never gain that negative one counter to untap itself. As to where Vizier says it can gain it, it just reduces it to zero, which to some people means the same thing, but it's different in game mechanics. Yeah, ma magic rules are silly little things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like the deck has changed a lot. I don't believe it actually plays like the Viscerseer stuff anymore. It might. I haven't really been looking at the lists. Like, it, it I'm seems sad, like, man. Yeah, I like, love I love the Viscerseer murderous red cap. It's such a good or, time. like uh, plus Malira, Malira or whatever. I yeah, I, I actually prefer like the play style of the old lists over the new ones. But I understand the new ones like being able to win off of a Walking Ballista is probably just a lot better, plus Walking Ballista by itself yeah. is still a pretty good magic card, so... Yeah, I mean, that, you know... <laughs> yeah. It so, works. Much like many a combo deck, this deck is uh, a little weak... These decks, rather, are weak to Pithing Needle. Uh, <laughs> you cannot name Devoted Druid because it is a mana ability, but you can name Walking Ballista 
you can name a Zuri to keep them from going infinite. Couldn't My... you name Devoted Druid for the untap ability? May actually, maybe you can. Now that I think about it, I, I mean the mana ability. You can't ne needle the mana ability, but you can needle the other ability. I suppose maybe you could. I think I would still rather name Ballista anyways, just because Ballista has extra utility. I mean, probably. Like being able to machine down creatures. Yeah, it's. I suppose depends on situation, but I suppose you probably can actually pithing needle the negative one negative counter ability. Anyway, okay. uh, the decks are also very weak to board wipes. Because their goal is to play multiple creatures, so if you kill all of said creatures, they kind of just die. <laughs> uh, cheap removal, you know, some early discard and pressure, which is basically the the way of beating every combo deck in Modern for anyone who hasn't been paying attention. Just do things. <laughs> yeah. Disruption and pressure. Don't let your opponent's goldfish you. You'll probably be able to win. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Cool. That's uh, the first iteration of combo decks in Modern. Probably, that's basically all the big ones that are seen a lot now. There's a few other side ones. Yeah, we're just, we're, we're mainly trying to hit the ones that are kind of like the big decks right now. You'll, yeah. I'm sure you'll see other stuff. Modern's a crazy format. Yeah, like you will encounter other people's stuff. Like, you will encounter other random things on occasion. Like, you are going to see stuff like Living End, which is weird. Um, which is also really... I'm, like, Living End is a combo deck, but it... I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Living End, Gorio's Vengeance. There are other decks that exist out there, but... They're not, they're not very common. They're not necessarily the easiest thing to deal with. Um, don't try and use Graph Digger's Cage to stop your opponent who's playing Living End. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> that's that's your one random shout-out. So. Alright. Cool. Read, read the cards and you'll know why. <laughs> Remember how literal magic is. Yes. Alright. So, John, anything else? I have a question for you. Uh-oh, okay. If you could change any one thing about Panglacial Worms art, what would it be? Uh, that big dumb mouth it has. <laughs> like the side? Are you talking like the side tusks, the upper tusks, the bottom tusks? It just looks <laughs> goobery, is all. Like it's a giant, like like the rest of the art is cool. It just has this giant goober face on it, and it just looks silly. I don't know. Like maybe it just needs to look different. I don't know how to say it, but it <laughs> just needs to look different. Everything about its mouth, oh my god. Yeah. That's, like, yeah. <laughs> like, the to those top tusks, they're so horrendous. But, like, <laughs> then if you get rid of the top tusks, then the side tusks also look completely horrendous. Which is actually kind of a throwback to the worms from Judgment, like the side tusks are. Yeah. But that's all. That's not something you should be wanting to re-show people, because those worms were hideous also. Yeah. Not the only thing more hideous than that worm's face is what it does to the rules of magic. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. Cool. Um, Alright, so... <laughs> uh, but yeah, l uh, let us know what you think of this if you'd like us to continue more on this. We're planning on eventually hitting up you know, other types of decks too, not just combo decks, obviously, even though the combo decks are the most fun. 
Um, but yeah, you can send us that feedback uh, to thelocalmeta at gmail.com. You can catch us on Twitter at thelocalmetapc. And yeah, anything else before we, we call it call it a day, John? I never realized that there's actually a bridle in the mouth of uh, Autochrome. Okay, so on that note, <laughs> we will catch you next time. Bye.